Iced tea. Go a cappella. Now I'm on the West Coast, relaxing and chill, living on the mead streets of Beverly Hill. I have I love I, it. You way better than a lot of rappers that are making yes. records right now. She is Olivia Munn. Drop my name as much as you can. By the way, I am a first-class name dropper. The great, legendary John Madden. And then on the phone, Steve Marriott. She's- <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's the thing. You watch a guy. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is that? Mooch, how did you sniff that out so quickly? I sniffed that out. I sniffed that out. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the first edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast that is in season in 2012. We are one game into week number one, and we could not be more excited about it. And uh, I'm so pleased to have two players uh, on this podcast, and then Michael Lombardi will bring up the rear, if you will, by finishing up our eight division preview segments We've done seven of the eight divisions. We will now preview the final division that we have uh, been waiting to preview throughout this entire preseason and now into the playing season, the NFC South. Michael Lombardi will tell you what he thinks of the Saints, Falcons, Bucks, and Panthers. That's coming up on a show after we chat with Tony Gonzalez, the Hall of Fame tight end of the Atlanta Falcons, who is entering season number 16 still seeking his first playoff win, which is truly remarkable. That is a head shaker, if you think about it. And his first game, uh, the Falcons only open up in the place where he spent a dozen of those 16 seasons, uh, those 12 seasons in Kansas City, building those Hall of Fame bones. And he goes back to Arrowhead for the first time as an opponent to kick off what may just be his final season in the National Football League. We'll talk with Tony Gonzalez and Russell Wilson one of the five rookie quarterbacks that are going to start this weekend in week number one. Uh, We chat with Russell Wilson on Seahawks cam mere days before he makes his NFL debut as a starting quarterback in week number one. And we are also coming to you uh, one day on the Friday of the work week leading up to week number one, one day after the Rich Eisen kickoff special aired on NFL Network at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday night, right up against the President of the United States, making his acceptance speech at the DNC. So we were counter-programming. Difficult time slot, but still the show was tremendous. Um, I sound like Jim Rome right there. show was tremendous. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Epic. (laughs) And uh, the two men without whom the show would not have gone on. Uh, Good to see you, Chris Law. Good to see you. Rich, good to see you. Thank you. And Chris Brockman, who spent half of his life in the last week in an edit bay to put that thing together. I Uh, feel like I haven't been at my apartment in weeks. Well, thank you two guys. Thank you, sir. You two guys stuff, are awesome. Always. You guys are awesome. Without you two, uh, it doesn't happen. We all, uh, I know it. I don't know who else knows it, but now the entire free football world knows it. The international audience knows it. For you, Chris Brockman. We love our international So I'm giving country. you an international oh, shout out. Right. And I'm giving you, nice. Chris Law, an international shout out. You guys are the best. It was a fun show. Uh, great. The full audio conversations with the guests, Nas, Ryan Lochte, Aaron Andrews, and Jim Brockmeyer, um, that can be found on our blog page, uh, richeisen.nfl.com, and on iTunes. And the two other guests will be hearing the full audio conversations on this program in a matter of moments. What do you think of that Cowboy-Giant game? Started slowly. Uh, yes, it did. Took I, about a half. I kind of think I kind of expected a slow start. I don't know about you guys. It seems. Uh, I hate to say I told you so, but I believe I was the only one that took the Cowboys. I'm actually. Where, I'm where did you take them? On this very podcast. Yeah, you did. I did. I'm shocked did. That, the, that the Cowboys. Yeah, I was won. surprised too. I mean, because I've been in those environments, in those buildings when they raise the banner. It's tough. It's tough. But well, the home teams were what undefeated the, in these games, right? Uh, well, they have been the last eight years. I well, think. ever since they've they've instituted that rule. Oh, well, the Super our Bowl first team. year on the air at NFL Network was 2003. We came on the air in week number ten. I was at the opener that year uh, because we weren't on the air yet, and I was still living on the East Coast. That was uh, Warren Sapp's Tampa Bay Buccaneers going on the road to open the season in the new Lincoln Financial in Philadelphia, and they put the bang thing on the Eagles. They shut down the vet, by the way. 
Was that a in the re- playoffs that was the a year rematch before. of the championship game the year yeah, before? They yeah, shot right? down that, the vet the year before in right, the playoffs. Right. McNabb yeah. had like four or five Sap picks, will tell you he loves that story that they shut down the vet and opened the link. That was our year, too. In, that, in the same fashion by whipping game. the Eagles. And, uh, well, if history repeats itself, he'll burst in the middle of this interview anytime, <laughs> right. anytime now. Well, that was the last time, um, uh, I believe, I believe that was the last time that happened. The, the Jets and the Redskins, I think, may have opened the season in 04. Um, I'm almost sure that they did. We, um, and neither team had anything to do with the, the Super Bowl. Bowl yeah. So 05, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, eight years. Eight years. And it's the first time in eight years. So um, that they For those that of you at decided, home, Rich counted those on his finger. I did. Which was I did. awesome. I did. It's awesome. Thank you for painting the word picture. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a tough environment in which to yeah. to win. And the Cowboys needed it. Six of their first nine on the road, they got the first one under their belts, and it's a division win against a team that they really wanted to beat. And they showed a certain moxie, and they showed a sturdiness. They showed uh, a fortitude that we have not seen from Dallas, a spine, a backbone. I mean, Romo had one horrible pass, throwing it late over the middle. It only cost them three points. And um, and the rest was he was spectacular. More Ogletree, please. Ogletree, yeah, nice. Man, More Ogletree, he, please. He was great. Very nicely done. <laughs> well, he get, stepped in the role of Laurent Robinson, right? get my Red Rider BB gun and uh, decode some things. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ogletree was great. I've already put in a claim for him in every single one of my fantasy leagues. Well, I don't know where I am on the waiver wire. Here's how my league works. It's a free-for-all. You could go which anytime. Is, one, horrible. one minute That's after ridiculous. he scored, someone That's, had picked him up already. Stupid. That's dumb. That's ridiculous. That favors those with no lives. Right. Essentially, what uh, that's does. ridiculous. Yeah. There's got to be a waiver wire process. Got to be. Has to be, but it does. It gets voted down every year in my league. Well, you got to do something about that, Brockman. Des looks pretty good too. Well, I mean, Roma had a nice deep ball to him. Um, it all worked, but but it it, it Demarco Murray is the difference maker. Yeah. I think Emmett said that on our on our on our that triplet run? podcast. Yeah. And by the way, Olivia Munn is one for one. Someone tweeted that to you, right? It, in case you did not, in case you haven't, uh, if you didn't hear the Olivia Munn podcast, Law, well, will you replay that 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 exchange that I had with Olivia Munn about how Tony Romo? will be a different quarterback this year. Yeah. Absolutely. Can, can you hit the play on yep, that? Yep, button? Let's, let's hit that. But I honestly think uh, most men, and you, maybe you can attest to this, men, once they kind of settle down, they get married and they have their their kid, <laughs> yeah. they actually, their careers become so great because they don't really have to, f- no, no other real distractions of trying to find that kind of feeling of family. And and now I feel like, you know, Romo's going to be able to really do something so now that wonderful. Romo, so you're thinking the fact that Romo is now a married man with the baby with child yes is going to make him a better yes. quarterback pick a sunday morning that i'm i'm doing our sunday morning mm-hmm. football show michael irvin will start telling me what's wrong with the cowboys and and marshall falk will talk about what's what's wrong with the cowboys i can just interject i spoke with olivia munn yes. on this very subject <laughs> and don't worry about romo mm-hmm. because he's a settled down man with yes. a child mm-hmm. and he's going to start focusing a little bit better because his home life is taken care of and he's going to be so much better as a Dallas yeah. Cowboys quarterback and just leave it at that. Yeah. I'll be cool. That'll be, um, that'll be, that'll be, that will that work for me. I'm going to have some job offers lined up for you. <laughs> um, they might Magic just be Mike in, too? Yeah, it might just I be some interviews. Working with that, yeah. gonna, you okay. might not be able to keep a job after you say that. But yes, you should so say that. So you're thinking Romo. And I think that we should set up all the other guys. Stop being professional athletes and, you know, messing around so much. Lock in, find a wife, be faithful and, um, uh, and a baby. So how about, I mean, should I, cause I even said to her, as you heard, can I go on NFL game day morning and say that you said this? I, I might have to on Sunday. There's no reason not you, to. He was different. You might have to do this. Maybe cause he's a dad and he's a husband. I believe we still have the video cause that made TV. So maybe we can go. That definitely made, podcast made plug. She's one for one right now. Yep. Cause he looked Pretty good. Well, I mean, he shook from that first pass. And and Collinsworth was saying that he was doing all sorts of hand movements. And you heard how Kurt Warner said earlier in the week on on our show, and he said it on the on 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 radio as well, uh, and national radio shows. I think he said it on Rome, and I think he said it on our our game day kickoff shows that Romo may not be able to be the guy to tell the guys on the outside what to do because those guys are young and sometimes they're not on the same page. He was telling everywhere where to go. He was in full yeah, command. Hand signals are... He was in full command. Collinsworth was saying that might have been the best game he's ever played. And 
he was on point. He was great. 300 yards, three touchdowns. Maybe Olivia Munn was onto something. Maybe we have to get her back in. I was to, just going to say. Well, to confirm. Use any excuse for that. Yeah, yeah, let's get her back in here. And that. Uh, How about that? Well, th- How about that? You said DeMarco Murray was a difference maker. Did you see that run where he just drilled Kiwanuka and he bounced well, no, off? It was Ch- yeah, it was that one. And then the one on, on Chase Blackburn. Blackburn. On the drive that they needed to just get one first down to end the game, which is so many different times in, in, in previous years they couldn't get that one first down to end the game, right? And um, he ran one on second down, ran over Chase Blackburn, knocked him out of the game, set up third and short, which they then picked up, holding, bring it back, third, third and long. And 30. Third and long. It wasn't third and 30. It was third and 13 or third. Oh, yeah. that was a different play. When it right, was third exactly. But yeah, it was yeah, third yeah. and 13. And that, now, now you're thinking, okay, now Romo's not going to get it done. Right. They got it done. The touchdown to Miles Austin was on third and 30 after three straight penalties. Right, exactly. exactly. My fault, yeah. Incredible. And he kind of did the stop back catch and those rainy moss So is there a power shift then? in the, in the Who knows? Seized? But that was huge. That was huge. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Uh, all right, let's get to it. we got a big, full podcast. Russell Wilson of the Seahawks, Michael Lombardi um, with the NFC South preview, but let's get started. He is a future Hall of Famer, no question about that. He is one of the all-time most, most prolific pass catchers in the history of the National Football League. As a matter of fact, Tony Gonzalez, only Jerry Rice has more catches than you as you enter uh, season number 16 in the National Football League. You aware of that? Uh, yeah, I'm actually aware of that. You are aware of that. See, yeah, I wanted to sound yeah. smart to start this interview, and <laughs> and now now I got to come up with something you don't know. I guess. Well, my mom my mom's a big fan of me, and she told me about that stat. So is is that right? A, your mom is yeah. your official stat keeper of the Gonzalez. Well, she's mom? one of them. one one of, uh, of of the clan, I guess. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, <laughs> I guess my my mom told me that this is my 17th year as a national sports broadcaster. So I, I think I got you by one season. As a, as a matter of fact, my first Sports Center was a Sweet Sixteen Saturday in 1996. Could I have been doing a Cal Bears highlight that day? Is it possible? Uh, that's that's definitely possible. If it, as long as it wasn't in the postseason, because we didn't go to bowl games. Oh. No, no, I, I'm just talking hoops. I'm talking hoops. Oh, hoops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Sweet Sixteen. That, yeah. Where's my brain right now? Yeah, Sorry, you're in football we, season. We, you're in football. We, we are a Sweet Sixteen. We were a Sweet Sixteen. One of the best memories of my life is in sports. I'm, I imagine 16. it must be. I, I may have called on my first Sports Center. I got to look this up. I may have called a, a basketball highlight of yours, Tony. It's entirely would, possible. That would be classic. I got to check with your mom. I got to check with your mom on that. <laughs> so as you are about to embark on another National Football League season here in 2012, I'd love to just pick your brain generally. What, what, are, you, what are you thinking about uh, for this big playing season for you and the Atlanta Falcons, Tony? Well, uh, honestly, I think this is, first of all, it's the best Atlanta Falcon team that I've been on thus far. Uh, and possibly, and I, I really do believe, actually I'm really starting to believe it the more I'm playing with this team, it could be the best team I've ever played on. Uh, in the National Football League, uh, if you just look at it from offense, offense, defense, uh, the balance that we have there, special teams, uh, got a great kicker. It, it's it's really coming together that we can do something special this year. But uh, that's it's just the preseason, and, and it's all on paper up to this point. So we got to go out there and take it one game at a time, and and I think uh, we'll like where we're at at the how, end of it. How is Matt Ryan a different quarterback now than that loss uh, in New Jersey to the eventual Super Bowl champion Giants, Tony? I, you, I, I, first of all, he's a better football player, uh, and, and he should be. Uh, he's got another year underneath his belt. He's hitting year five. Uh, and I always say, you know, you're, 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 it takes quarterbacks usually around five to six years to really hit their, their true potential as a player. Uh, most NFL players take usually around three years. But the quarterback position is just so hard. So I think just with the experience that he's had up to this point, uh, the work that he puts in uh, on a scale of one to ten, he's a ten as far as work ethic goes. And then with Dirk Cutter coming in here, uh, with his style of offense, I think it suits Matt really, really well. And Julio Jones, that's another reason right there. Besides me and um, Roddy, Julio Jones is coming around, becoming a great football player, an upper echelon player in this league. Yeah, he's going to de- be great. He's definitely been a, a fantasy football draft darling. I mean, he yeah. has gone very high. A lot of people are very excited to see what he can do in year two. Uh, what What have you seen, boots on the ground, eye to eye, about Julio Jones entering this season? Uh, uh, he just knows where to go. I mean, as a rookie, you're kind of running around just kind of trying to figure things out. Uh, but now he, that he's had that year uh, and, a, and a full offseason with the team, the work with Matt, 
and the rest of the guys, he just, he's just, you can just tell he's just more comfortable out there. Uh, he's, he's become more consistent. He had a couple drops last year, uh, but you can see that starting to go away. Uh, he's really starting to catch the ball um, more often than not. And uh, I, I, I just, if, if you look at this guy from a physical standpoint, it's, it's amazing. I, I know you got Megatron out there in Detroit, but uh, Julio's not that far behind him. I mean, he's a 6'3", 235-pound guy running a 4'3". He said he could run a 4'2". So uh, <laughs> it, it, there's things that he can do at this position. It's going to be amazing to watch, and, and I hopefully yeah, I think he can do it this year. This Sunday, an interesting starter, not just for the schedule, not just team-wise, but for you personally. Uh, at Kansas City, uh, Tony, at Arrowhead, where you made your bones year after year after year as a Kansas City Chief, what is your mindset entering this game as you go to Kansas City as a, a visitor for the first time? Uh, well, it's, it's going to be weird, first of all, walking in that stadium. Uh, but, you know, it, I, I've been thinking about this game, obviously, since the schedule came out. I mean, it, I was, I, there's no way I can ignore it. Uh, going back to see a lot of people that I love, a lot of people that I grew up grew up with. That's what I call it growing up in the NFL. Um, 12 years spent out there. It's some really, really fond memories. Played for some great coaches, some great teams. It's uh, it's going to be something special, especially to see a lot of the old faces around there. Yeah, and you might make a wrong turn at some point where you walk in <laughs> and you make a wrong turn. I, I believe I really I, I would love to go in the locker room, but I, I bet that probably will not be allowed. Yes. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> I want to take a picture next to my old locker. I want to see who's in it. That, uh, that'd be a good question. That's interesting. <laughs> Who was your first quarterback in the NFL? Uh, it was Elvis Gerback and Rich Gannon. They kind of split split uh, responsibilities. That no year. kidding. Elvis Gerback was your first quarterback back in 1997. So you think this is the best team you've ever been on? We do. I got to be honest, Tony. I know you always are very honest when you've been on this show. So I'm honest as well. We hear that a lot. This time of year from a lot of people. Rex Ryan just said it, for instance, in New York, where a lot of people take a look at that and think that it's just somebody who's just excited for the season. But you you firmly believe that this could be the best team you've ever been on. I think if you look at it from top to bottom, uh, and a lot of people that know me, too, they're like, yeah, you're just talking. You say that all the time. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with being optimistic. But. I, I mean, if you step back and you look at this team offensively, the way Matt is playing or the, the way I think he's going to play this year, uh, with, like I said, with Julio, Roddy, myself, uh, Michael Turner, Harry Douglas, I mean, the offensive line pretty much is all coming back. Uh, it's, it, we have a chance to do something special on the offensive side of the ball. Now you go to the defensive side. You look at uh, Abraham, Mike Nolan. Uh, I, I was reading somewhere that he's probably the biggest free agent pickup in the offseason. He's a coach because of everywhere he goes, it seems like those defenses perform. And, and with the young guys that they have on the defensive side of the ball, uh, uh, linebackers, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be something special on that side of the ball. And, and, and with the addition, one of the biggest free agent additions as far as player-wise, uh, I think Asante Samuel. That's huge for us to go along with Brent Grimes. And Dante Robinson, uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be something special this year, as long as we can stay healthy. And in terms of your division, do you think the Saints are going to be playing with that extra chip on their shoulder because of everything that's gone on in the past no, six I, months I, with them? You got to believe that. I, I know Drew B's a little bit, and from what I I know of him, he's he, they're, they're going to be ready. There's 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 no way that you can overlook anybody in our division. The teams are that good, so it's it's going to be tough. But I think we're up to it. The replacement officials, what is your stance on it and the rest of your colleagues? Have, have you, is it being talked about a lot in your locker room? Not really. It hasn't even came up to tell you the truth. I mean, I've talked about it with my, with my friends and, and my mom. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but it, it, who, for me, who cares? And now, obviously, I say that now, and if we go out there and they blow a call, then, yeah, I'm going to be pissed off just like anybody else. And you're going to say, hey, why don't they work this out with the regular officials? But uh, these guys, it's not like they're not prepared. I mean, they've been doing this for a while, so I expect them to come out uh, and, and make the right calls in the right situation. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in my situation, being someone who talks about it for a living, I just don't want there to be any asterisks on any wins or losses in the regular season. Yeah. You know, as we'll be talking about for, for weeks to come. But in terms of the player safety aspect, are, are there any guys out there that think that they could take a cheap shot that won't get caught because these guys might not be – on the whistle, on the ball, as much as the regular guys? I don't think so because if it goes as the preseason goes in the games that I've played in the preseason, I haven't seen – they've been making those calls that they normally make. You know, keeping – I think player safety is something that's talked about huge uh, in the NFL. So if they're going to blow a call, they're not going to blow it on that type of call. All right. As you get ready for this season again, Tony, let me be the first to at least ask you uh, on NFL Network this question. I'm sure you've already been asked before and throughout the season. Is this – the last season for you, Tony. 
yes, but <laughs> I'm going to leave myself a 5% window of coming back. <laughs> well, that's more that's, uh, that's more than the Jordan window. You know, he had like a a, a, a percentage of a percent, I think, back in the did day. Did he? Yeah. I, was, well, well, I think 90, like 95%. I, I have loved playing in the NFL. I still feel really, really good uh, when I go out there on the field during practice and during the games. Uh, but, you know, there comes a certain point that, that uh, you have to call it quits. And, and for me, I'm the type of person that – I don't want to go out on, on the bottom. I don't, I don't want any, to be kicked out of the league. Like some players that have gone before me, I've talked to the guys that, that, that have played a long time, and uh, they all said the same thing, make them drag you out of the league. But I'm, I'm not that type of person. I, need to, I, need to, I want to be effective and be one of the best when I, when I go out. I want to go out on top or at least towards the near the top. Right, and if you feel at the end of the season that you're feeling good and perhaps the postseason goes uh, a way that you don't wish it to go, that's the 5% that you're talking about right now? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? I need to start talking to you, too. Me, you, and Mom, we need to get on a phone call at least once a week. Let's confab. That was perfect. That was perfect. Yeah, I'll write it down for you if you want. Thank you. Yeah, we workshop. As you know, Tony, on this this show, we always want to leave people better than the way Mm -hmm. we found them. And you're no You have exception. accomplished that today. You Thank have accomplished that today. Thank, Thank you, so Tony. Much. Good luck in Kansas City. Sort of a homecoming for you and beyond. We always appreciate having you on this show. Thanks for having me, Rich. Appreciate it. That's Tony Gonzalez, the future Hall of Fame tight end of the Atlanta Falcons. Pleased to have now on the Rich Eisen podcast one of the five rookie quarterbacks set to start week number one. We haven't seen this in over half a century of National Football League football. And my guest happened to be drafted in the third round of this year's draft from the University of Wisconsin. Russell Wilson joining me here on Seahawks. Cam, how are you there, Russell? I'm doing great. Getting ready for practice. I'm excited about the uh, opportunity to prepare for this week. Did you dream of this when you were drafted? Did you think that this could be possible, a week one start for you? Well, I definitely did. You know, I believe in myself. I'll always have and and always will. And when a coach said that you could compete for this job, uh, what made you think that you had a shot in that regard with these veteran QBs around you? I think more than anything, you know, the fact that they drafted me um, and the fact that, you know, when I came here for rookie minicamp, I I felt like I, you know, took control and did a good job with that. And just, I took one day at a time. And I think more than anything, just uh, I had to have great attention to detail and, and just help the other guys in the huddle, you know, perform at a higher level. Now, uh, before this interview, uh, Russell, I asked a couple of members of the Seahawks staff, you know, tell me something. What do you got for me on Russell? What do you, what, what can I hit him up with? And one of them actually told me, we don't know that much about him because he's been watching film the entire time <laughs> since he has been here. Is that a true story? Something like that. I'd probably say 95% of the time. 95 What, the other one is eating, I imagine? Sleeping? Is that is <laughs> it, That's the other 5%? The other 5% is the fish market. The fish? <laughs> have you have you, you got to watch out for You got to have your head on a swivel there, by the way. You have to be ready. In the fish market. That might actually help you. For the pass rush for the Arizona Cardinals, like it might help your peripheral vision, Russell. You know what I mean? You're exactly, you're exactly right. <laughs> that fish market might actually come, come to help. But what, what are you seeing in the film? What are you trying to gain other than the obvious uh, from your film sessions that you are spending that much time watching film? Well, you know, I think, first of all, there's the main thing, obviously, you know, what they try to do. Uh, what's their main coverages? Um, you know, how they set up, how, how they line up and everything in terms of their off, you know, defensive line front. And everything, and in terms of actual guys, you know who, who are, you know who's their talented guy, who makes the plays, you know in big situations. What do they try to do on third down? What do they do in the red zone? And then you know I just you know criticize myself too. You know I watch my own film and and just try to grow as much as I can. And uh, in terms of the Cardinals, what are you seeing on film that you can share with us as you get set for your first career start? Well, obviously they have a lot of talent. You know all the way across the board from the defensive line to linebackers to the to the DBs. Um, they have a lot of experience, so. You know, have to make smart decisions and facilitate the ball to the right guy at the right time and just be efficient. And uh, I guess health-wise, can you, can you give us a, a hint on Marshawn Lynch? We heard uh, that uh, he got banged up. He's got back spasms or something along those lines. What can you tell us about his readiness? Well, I can't talk about injuries. You know, Coach Carroll does that. There you go. Uh, See, but yeah. that, that was a wily veteran thing on my part to try and yeah, get you, something. You try, to, you try to get me. You try to well, I wouldn't me. say get you. I'm looking for information. You know, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus here on this show, but I, I, that's a good answer 
as we would say. Good answer, Russell. Well done right there. Uh, You know, I don't know if you've, uh, I know you're on Twitter at Dange Russ Wilson. I know that. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that your coach and I have been going back and forth about you over the past few days. Are you aware of that? Somebody told me you guys were going back and forth. Yeah, We are, because I mentioned on a national radio show that I think that you are the number one fantasy football sleeper out there. I think what you can do with both sides of the ball, and I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't know you were going to be on the show at the time. Uh, that's, I'm just saying that's what I said. Your coach shut me down. Uh, his response essentially was, we've got a game coming up. Let's deal with this tomorrow. I then mentioned how feeding you the ball would make me look good, and that to me, as you as you might imagine, is is very important. You looking good <laughs> makes me look good. He said that why would I worry about your nutrition, which you know you must have not gotten your joke. <laughs> I, you know what I? He said, "What about the nutrition? I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get you the ball. Tell me something. Tell me something that makes me sound right in this regard, Russell." Uh, you know, I, I think more than anything, I just have to do my job and just try to excel and, and be great with the football, you know, come Sunday, you know. And so I think that's the main thing. And I can't worry about the fantasy part of it all. No, you can't. All right. Well, I, that's what I'm worried about. I'm trying to. I'm, so I'm not going to get information on injuries out of you. And I'm not going to get you to pump your chest. You're not going to thump your chest. You're going to deal with this the smart way is essentially what you're telling me right now. I'm, I'm quiet as I can be. Mm-hmm. What would your dad say about this, Russell? We all know about your story, your dad. Uh, two-sport star in the Ivy League, um, head of his law, law uh, school um, in Virginia, and uh, tried to make the Chargers one of the last cuts for the San Diego Chargers, never made the league. He passed away a few years ago. What would he say right now, seeing you in that starter's jersey, uh, getting set to play a football game in the National Football League, Russell? Well, I think he, you know, he's told me a few things. You know, First of all, there's a king in every crowd, and so – you know, first of all, with my faith, you know, the Lord's always watching me. He's helped me get here, you know, and everything. And so, you know, also my dad's right there sitting there on the 50-yard line watching in Arizona. So I'm excited about that. And, and like, you know, throughout the whole process of me getting here, you know, my dad used to always tell me that just because, you know, the way you prepare, you never know what, you know, you never know what scout or GM's watching you. So that helped me get here. And, and the fact that, you know, you never know what kid's watching you. So I, I always try to do the right thing at the, you know, the right time. You know, I try to at least. And so... I think more than anything, it's just another opportunity. And my dad's really excited for me. I know he's got a huge smile on his face. You know, as soon as as soon as I found out I was a starter, I wish I could have called him and told him, um, you know, that type of thing. But it's one of those things that's a true blessing in my life. And I'm excited about this opportunity. You know, i got to take one play at a time, just like I always do, and just try to play great football. Good luck to you, Russell Wilson. Good luck. We look to look forward to speaking to you down the line. Thank you so much. Always great talking to you. you Go bet Hawks. That, you bet. That is Russell Wilson here <laughs> on the Rich Eisen Podcast getting set for week number one as a starting quarterback. All right, now let's get you set for the weekend and uh, hit our final divisional preview with a man who's done most of them for us, and we appreciate our lion's share of them. Uh, Michael Lombardi here to preview the NFC South, the always competitive NFC South. But before we do, we got to talk about the one, the game that's already in the books, the Cowboys and the Giants. What would you take away from that one, Michael? Well, you know, the Giants get beat with their own game, Rich. I mean, that. They got controlled at the line of scrimmage by the Dallas defensive front. I mean, Dallas really had no respect for the Giants' running game. They played a seven-man front and dared the Giants to try to run it, and they couldn't. And I think when Tom Coughlin watches the tape, he's going to be frustrated with his team's execution and their physicality within the game. I think it wasn't the way to start the season for the Giants' drops, you know, getting out physical at the line of scrimmage. And then I thought, the, you know, Kevin Ogletree was sensational. Tony Romo was spectacular but to me DeMarco Murray was the difference maker his speed his explosiveness and then when he felt comfortable running the football with his knee injury back he was powerful he then got into gear and all of a sudden the team became a different team yeah we were talking about that earlier that is uh that is he's a star he's a star in this league I think um that that was a big time performance in a big time spot in a huge game and with Dallas having six of the first nine on the road, getting a divisional road win against the team that's beaten them five out of six times in a spot like that, that was huge. I honestly didn't see that coming. I really didn't yeah, see that coming. I, I didn't either. I thought the Giants would be able to play a little more physical and their execution would be more precise. But I think we're going to see this opening weekend as teams are, you know, the teams that don't play their guys in the preseason and, and they can't just turn it on. I think heat and humidity is a factor on opening weekend players get tired, and I think the longer that game went, the Giants' lack of depth in their defensive front because of the injuries, the lack of depth in the secondary because of what happened during the game with Michael Coe, I think it really hurt them. But, but the team that 
had the lack of depth at those two positions coming into the game was the Cowboys. No Ratliff, no Jenkins. Yeah, and, and they, they still and they, they still got it done. And they overcame them. They really did. They did a great job. And their offensive line gelled together as as the game went along. They got better. And then in the third and short that they needed to convert in order to kill the Giants off, last year they wouldn't have gotten that. They wouldn't have gotten that. They did get it. Instead, instead though, it got called back to a holding penalty. And they still converted the third and long. I mean, those, I think, those are the situations that the Cowboys the last few years have not come through. The kill shot. They killed them in yeah, that and, situation. And, You've got to win with your offense. I mean, let's put the game away with our offense. I mean, look, the Ravens don't have a chance to kick the field goal if New England converts the third and three in the championship game. You've got to put teams away when you have the opportunity. And, and I think the Cowboys learned that lesson last year, and they did it with their offense. You can't rely on your defense to stop people. And um, the biggest loser of the night, not the Giants, but the real referees. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I thought the game went well. I thought the call, I thought the, the most symbolic call of the night was the actual holding call, and Jason went it at a critical time of the game where you would have thought, you know, we're going to let them play, especially when the game's on the line. And the guy threw the flag. I thought they had control of the game. It was a legitimate they, call. That was a legitimate call. It was a legitimate call. call. And, and I think that they did the right thing. Now, look, you can sit and watch the tape and say, well, they missed this one, but you can watch any NFL tape and say the same thing. So. I think the game was played without an effect of the officials. Yeah, I mean, there really wasn't a situation where it was so egregious, right? I mean, the one the one big sort of throw-your-hands-up-in-the-air moment was when the Giants wanted a pass interference right on the goal line, didn't get yep. it. But that wasn't a situation where the real refs... I mean, we've seen that so many times with the real refs where they don't throw a flag in that situation. Absolutely, and I thought the game flowed well. I mean, I think it wasn't as... I think we'll see better football this Sunday, but I think... It wasn't a well-played game by either side. I think both sides will admit that. I think the Cowboys came on in the second half and played well the first half, obviously. But, you know, I think as the way these new practice habits are, the way you can't really work your team in the summer, I think there's a gradual buildup as teams start to improve when they start to really play live football. And before we hit the NFC South, I um, want to hit you on some more uh, headlines, I guess, in the NFL right now. The passing of Art Modell, who you knew obviously, from your time in Cleveland. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. You wrote a very nice piece on NFL.com about it. You know, Art was a, was a true, and, you know, people get caught up on the Cleveland move, and, and, and my time with him was in Cleveland, and, and certainly the last year in Cleveland was not a, a, a happy memory for myself, for Coach Belichick, for anybody involved in the organization. And, and, and so we, casting that aside, it hurt the hearts of the people in Cleveland. It hurt me. But the reality is, is when you break down Art Modell, he had the unique humor. You would have found him extremely funny. He was very engaging. He was a, a vaudevillian character that could tell jokes, the same jokes over again, and you would laugh at him all the time. He had a great sense of, of allowing you to do your job, which is appreciated. And I think a lot of us, from Belichick to, to myself, to Pioli, to all the people that are in the league that were in that Cleveland group that they're doing a documentary on, uh, at NFL Films on a football life, I think they, uh, we all owe our, our our success in our careers to Art allowing us to work our craft, and then and then his inst- his vision. I thought he was a visionary. He was always willing to try new things, and he was always never afraid to make a mistake or never to change. And I think those are the things you always learn from him. He was truly a very kind man to work for, and he was a genuine man to work for. And 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 a visionary who understood the power of television as a medium. He really did. He really did. He he, he was always. You know, he always saw himself as a showman. He always wanted to put on a good game for the crowd, and he was a league man. He was, it was important for him that the league did well. It was important for him that the Browns did well, but also it was important for him that the league did well. You see, I, it, this is another thing that I think they need to change at the Pro Football Hall of Fame where contributors should be separate from the actual class. You know what I mean? Like the actual Canton class that's voted in, that's players. Yeah. And if you want to throw coaches in there, fine. But contributors, you should take that out of the mix. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you did, Art Modell would be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he would have been in there while he was alive. Well, he impacted the game. I mean, you He could, definitely you know, did. The, the fans of the Browns, and certainly I'm one of them, are, are still angry about the move, and it was not a good time in anyone's life. But the overall landscape of of what happened in terms of his career, how he nudged the game. Monday Night Football alone is is symbolic because of art. I mean, he used to do double. Ernie, of course, and I were laughing the other day. Uh, you know, Ernie wrote in his, in his tribute to art about how art came up with the double headers in preseason. I mean, preseason games used to draw 15,000 people. Art came up with the idea of, of two preseason games at the same day, and there was 80,000 people in the stands. He had a unique way of... Uh, 
of selling the team. And it was always, he would always say to me, kid, I sell hope. And that's why he never wanted it. It was that Brooklyn Dodger background. Yeah. You know, that right. we're going to wait till next year, kid. You know, and, and, and so that's what he always believed in. And um, on the field uh, this week, if I had told you at the outset of August that Maurice Jones-Drew, Adrian Peterson, um, Richard Mendenhall <laughs> all had a shot to start week one and were more realistic to start week one than currently, as we're talking right now, Arian Foster would be. Think about that, that Arian Foster didn't practice on Friday before the season opener against the Dolphins, and he said, I expect to play. And you as an information man in this business know the, know the verbiage, okay? There are pl- this team plans to do this. You expect that sort of thing, which leaves the, the, uh, the opportunity that it may not take place so you can't be held accountable. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is in- unbelievable that Arian Foster is a possibility of not going. He's a game-time decision, just like, all, just like Adrian Peterson and, and Richard Mendenhall, two, kid, two guys coming back from, from ACL surgery. You know, but I think that's a tribute to the modern technology of medicine right now. I mean, the way these ACL look, Logan Mankins is six weeks post-op from his, and he's going to play offensive guard. And he played last year with a torn ACL. They were able to put it together. I think it's, I think it's their dedication. I think it's the 24-hour training these guys go through. I think it's a tribute to their work habits, to modern medicine. And I think we keep thinking, like in the old, I remember at the 49ers when Fred Dean had his knee scoped on. He used to wear a cat. He wore a cast all the way up to his uh to his pelvic bone. I mean, now, you know, those guys, it, it's completely different medicine, and I think we're, the benefits are the players are getting back on the field faster. Mm-hmm. Let's talk uh, NFC South. Is this the toughest division in football? I, I, I think it is because when you watch it, it, it has, you know, the divisions are always marked by quarterbacks, and certainly, you know, in the East you have Romo, you have Eli Manning, and you have Vic. Philadelphia with Michael Vick, and then, of course, RG3. So this one here has some depth at quarterback. I'm not counting Josh Friedman in the top three because I think Josh Friedman needs to really prove that he's a top-flight quarterback. Last year he only threw the ball 34 times over 20 yards. I mean, that's not going to get it done. Got to be more accurate throwing the football down the field. So I think Josh, Josh isn't in this group, but Cam Newton is, and obviously Drew Brees is, and I think Matt Ryan Matt Ryan is when he plays at home. But when you look at Matt Ryan on the road, he's 10 points lower on his quarterback rating in all areas of his quarterback performance when he has to play on the road, not because it's his fault, I think more because of the offensive line. But Freeman having Vincent Jackson at his disposal, should that should improve matters in terms of stretching the field and throwing Absolutely. Uh, big Absolutely, and a plays. demanding coach who's going to make him throw it up the field. I think they have to. I think they can't go sideways in, in, in Tampa. I think they realize they have to throw the ball vertically up the field to utilize it. But we're going to find out how good Josh Freeman is. He's had the one good year, and now we're going to see a system around him where you know he's not. He, he has players that can make some plays. We'll find out how well he can do. Did you see they put the C on Vincent Jackson's chest in Tampa? Impressive. Did yeah. you see I mean, that? And to get that from Greg Ciano is a pretty impressive thing. That means you're carrying the. You're, you're, you're doing the things you need to do. That just didn't come easily. That wasn't just given because of his contract. What do you? Th- I mean, Mayock said after the draft that what? Because I asked him after the draft on this show. Um, Last year, what Cincinnati did in the draft, put him in the playoffs with A.J. Green and, and, and Andy Dalton. Is there another team that did just that? And he, he pointed to the Buccaneers and what they did in the draft and what they did in in the offseason with Vincent Jackson and, and Carl Nix. Yeah. And, 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 and this kid that they are now basically saying he's a bell cow back, um, uh, Doug Martin, how how good can this team be in Tampa? Well, I, you know, look, they were good. look losing losing Davin Joseph, the other Pro Bowl guard. That this line had a chance to be one of the best lines in football if they played to the level. And of course, we're no longer on paper anymore. We're going on the field on Sunday, so on paper they looked good. I think Martin's going to give them a lot of a lot of ability. I think they'll manage the game much better. This team's going to be much tougher. Is Blaine Mark's going to yeah. be really on yeah. defense? You know, they couldn't rush the passer effectively last year. Claiborne led their team in sacks. I think Gerald McCoy's got to prove to everybody he's worthy of a top pick, and he's got to come through. Their defense is a little suspect right now in terms of how well they'll hold up, but I think they're well coached. I think they're going to be a tough team to play because they're not going to give you the game like they did last year. And they play Carolina this week. That's a huge game. That is an huge. understated week one game. I love this, this division, Michael. There's paint swapped every time they play each other. And I know it's a hard-hitting league all over, and we love saying that. You know, certainly when the Ravens and the Steelers play one another in the AFC North. I mean, it's physical football everywhere. But it just seems to me there's young teams, and they hit each other. I mean, they hit each other really hard, like those Bucks 
Falcons games, those Saints Falcons games. We have one of them on Thursday night. Yeah, this and, year. And, and last man, year, look, oh man! Look, the Bucks. Look, the Bucks were able to beat the Atlanta. No, this is before the season went in the tank. But they beat. Right. The, they beat the Saints at home. I mean, they they know how to play one another. I think it's a competitive. You could not go wrong watching one of those games. And certainly, we have one on our network. But I think they'll. And I think it'll just continue to get better and better because these teams are getting better and better. So. Uh, Carolina, let's hit them them right now. Um, what do you think about this team? Well, they're, they're difficult to play because they can run the football effectively. They can control the pace of the game. I, I, I really am anxious to see what they're going to have in store for Mike Tolbert. You know, they have three legitimate running backs. Now, Jonathan Stewart's hurt right now, but they have three legitimate running backs. And then they have Cam Newton, a guy who I think should take a huge step forward this year. How so? Protecting the football, being more cautious with it, not being carefree. 17 interceptions last year. I think he needs to be more careful with the ball, protect his defense more. But last year, you know, we saw New England win a championship, win to the, get to the Super Bowl without a defense. We saw Green Bay win 15 games without a great defense. I think if, if he protects the football, Carolina can be a sneaky team, a tough-out team to play because they are very difficult with Cam Newton. It's tough to prepare for them on a short week. You don't go into Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and think, oh, I can simulate Cam Newton's game. No problem. We got this. I think it's going to be rather rather tough. I think they'll be better on defense, and I think they'll be a much improved team, and I think it's all going to come down to I think Cam Newton can be the star that they drafted him to be, the first pick overall, and I think that'll make a huge difference. Well, I'll tell you what. This is a big game, again, Carolina and Tampa this week because Tampa's got to go to New York to take on or New Jersey to take on the Giants as Shiana goes back to Jersey um, in week number two. And then the Giants have that short week to take on Carolina on Thursday night to kick off week three on our network. So, I mean, the Bucks, the Bucks, if they can win this first game, and I know they got a tough, they're going to have a, they, they sort of need to win this because going on the road with the Giants having half of extra half a week off with the film and Coughlin, I, I mean, this is a big game for the Bucks and Carolina uh, right off the bat in week mm-hmm. one. Yeah, and I think, Rich, more than anything, and we talked about it on, on the podcast before, but if you put Carolina in the mix, and even if you count Washington, there's 12 teams that are have legitimate playoff aspirations as we start this season on paper. And I think every one of these games between them are, are going to come down to the wild card factor. I think, you know, the Giants losing at home to an NFC team and a, and a, and a divisional team in terms of, of the Cowboys, that really hurts. And I think we're going to see – when we get to December and we have game day morning, we're going to see that there's going to be a game that a team lost in September is going to affect their ability to win the wild to win the 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 seeding in the in the wild card race in terms of the tiebreakers. And I think that's going to be critical. Every time an NFC team plays an NFC team this year, especially one of those twelve, it's a critical game. So Carolina defensively, you're, that's the Achilles heel. It's it's Cam's got to take care of the ball, and defensively they have to do what. And I think the, defensively they've got to find a way to rush the passer better, and I think they will. They're playing some odd man front. They're playing some even man front. They're, do, they're mixing things up. Luke Keekley looks like he can be a very good player. Right. And, and look, last year durability was a concern. They couldn't stay healthy as a defense. And I think that if they can do that, it'll be a much improved defensive team. Obviously, and that's Rivera's uh, area of expertise in terms of being uh, a position coach before he became head coach there. What, so what about the Falcons? We had Tony Gonzalez on this podcast earlier. He said this could be, he believes it is, could be the best team he's ever played on, is what he said. Wow, that's saying something because those Chief teams that he played they on were really good. with Vermeil. Really I mean, my goodness gracious! I mean, and that we... offensive line those Chief teams had, I think, was a little better. Look, when I watch the Falcons, I do you do two things: you have to watch them on the road, and I think you have to evaluate their team on the road. How they play in Kansas City this week will really give you an idea: is their defense good enough? Can they find another rusher to go along with the 35-year-old John Abraham? I think that's going to be a huge challenge for the team. Do they have enough coverage people in their secondary? Is Matt Ryan going to be able to play to his home field advantage when he goes on the road? He's 10 points lower as a quarterback rating. And then I think the concern is, is Michael Turner and all these carries, are they going to catch up to him this year? Is Jason Snelling ready for some reps to go in there when Michael Turner doesn't? And how good is this offensive line? Last year they benched Sam Baker, the left tackle. Now is Sam Baker going to be the guy to help him? I think it remains to be seen. There's question marks here. It's interesting Tony would say that. I respect what he says. I just don't see it on paper of those teams being as good as the Chiefs team. I think he's just real. He thinks that Ryan has taken a step forward. I think and he true. And he is really off the charts high on Julio Jones. Thinks and that I he, think that's he, as well, too. I think Julio's a good player, but I think Julio doesn't play defense, and I think they have some innate defensive problems, especially up front. 
and especially when they go on the road. And I think people, you see it when people can attack them. Look, they went into Houston last year with a backup quarterback, and I think Houston just really just basically handled them, and uh, they couldn't put any points on the board against Houston. So I think Atlanta is one of those prove-it-to-me teams. I, I always call them the Philadelphia 76ers because they look good on paper, but they never really can beat the better teams. They can beat the bad teams. They can't beat the good teams, and I'm anxious to see them do that. So let's get to the Saints. How do you see this all playing out i mean this has been one of the top stories that we have been talking about since uh march since the whole bounty uh punishments came down now we know now we know who's the interim now we know what's what um you know a judge could rule at any time and vilma could and smith could magically reappear but at the at, at as we're taping this on friday we haven't heard anything and they haven't practiced yet so they're most likely going to be out week one against the redskins what what do you see the Saints looking like with, with Sean Payton uh, coaching his son's team this year? <laughs> I'm sure his son's team will be very diversified. They'll have yes, multiple <laughs> formations and they'll look good. Uh, they got one of the best play callers in football Ever. working for him. Yes, right. I think so. I just hope his son's team's play sheet doesn't look like the menu at Cheesecake Factory like the Saints menu that this play sheet looks like. Look, I, I think the Saints' Drew Brees is their play caller. Drew Brees is their guy. Uh, and clearly – Clearly, you know, this team's going to rotate around their offensive ability and another team that's very good at home. I mean, you know, Robert Griffith III's walking into a place and a crowd noise that he's never heard or seen before. I think they were 8-0 at home last year. This is a different team when they're on the carpet and they get without the elements outdoors and they can move the ball up and down the field. They're good at every position and the skill level. And they have unique players at the skill level, especially when you look at what Jimmy Graham can do when he lines up away from the formation. So, this is a good football team. They'll be better on defense. I think Bunkley really helps their inside of their defense to handle the running game. They've got to find a pass rush without always having to rely on Steve Spagnuolo's uh, ability to blitz and create scheme. I think they've got to find one of those guys, whether it's you know Cameron Jordan or, or Turk McBride or Martez Wilson, one of those guys have got to come through and rush the passer and really become a factor uh, getting after. So how, how does Peyton and Breeze with share a brain, how does that manifest itself in a game? That's the ultimate well, question, well, the right? The Saints have always been a team that has run the offense at the line of scrimmage. I mean, Drew Brees never goes to the line of scrimmage with just one play and runs it. I mean, Sean's offense is multiple and diversified. Now, I hope that's not the Little League team, too, because I don't think those kids will get it. But Drew Brees gets it, and he'll be able to, at the line of scrimmage, they motion people across the formation to let Drew Brees look at what he's about to feel. They call it their expressway package. You'll see a lot more of that this year, where they'll motion a guy from a two-by-two, which is two receivers to each side, and bring them back to create a three-by-one so they can look at you and find out what you're doing, and then they go in attack mode. And I think that becomes a problem. So Sean Payton's work from Tuesday to Saturday will be missed, but on Sunday I think the game plan is going to be set up so that Drew Brees handles it. So crystal ball it for me in this division. I like the Saints. I think the Saints, and then I think Carolina, Atlanta are even teams. And I think really, I think Tampa's a year, one more draft class away with Greg Ciano to really rally and be as competitive as these other teams. And I think it'll be a great, great, uh, every game will be great. Every game will be in a venue that will be exciting to watch and the crowds will have an impact on it. I just think the Saints are the most talented team here if they stay healthy. Well, uh, I, I have picked Greg Schiano as my coach of the year, uh, Michael, because you know, I had a, we, we have a picks contest here that we'd love for you to give your uh, two cents in on um, that we're asking fans to tweet at the Eisen podcast with the hashtag of REP picks and um, whoever gets the most of the six uh, entries correct will win an opportunity to appear on the podcast and the six things we're asking people to pick are the two Super Bowl competitors I went with San Francisco and Ball I went with the Harbaugh Super Bowl there okay you went with the Harbaugh Super Bowl there because yeah. I picked San Francisco New England and Chris Law chose Baltimore Packers correct yes. yeah and what did you have Chris Brockman what did you have I think uh, we need to open his I got, microphone I got the full oh I'm sorry yeah, he's uh, yeah I went with Patriots-Packers. Patriots-Packers. Okay, so you've got uh, the Harbaugh Bowl, which would be uh, huge. It would be great. I mean, uh, I think CBS would sign for that right now. <laughs> um, okay, and now um, – my coach of the year is going to be. I, I like Chuck Pagano to win that. Oh. That is Chris Law's pick. Chris Michael Lombardi, I no, like but, your style. But, how, but they they've got a. How many wins does Chuck Pagano I, get I for the? Can, I, I think. Look, they what's the storyline that gets him? That gets him coach of the year. Well, I think they have. They still have. They still have 
Dwight Freeney on the team. They still have Robert Mathis. He's an outstanding scheme coach. He knows how to prepare a defense. They'll be more difficult to play, and their mental toughness, especially with Andrew Luck, I think will prevail. I think they'll beat some teams, and they'll be tough to play. How many wins, though? Oh, I think seven and nine is a legitimate but, team. But how can a coach of the year of a seven well, and nine? How can over, he, you know, I mean, I mean, he took over. It's going to be the new coach of the year. Yeah, I was thinking we we're talking new coach of the year when you said Keanu. Yeah. No, 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 a coach of the year. Who's going to win oh, the coach oh, I, of the year? I thought we were picking new coaches of the year. Oh, no. oh, oh that oh, sounds like God. a backtrack. <laughs> no, 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 I thought we were going with the guy. No, 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 the coach of the year by the end of the season. I was so happy uh, when uh, he uh, said Pagano. I'll go with uh, John Harbaugh. How's that? John Harbaugh. Okay, yeah. which which dovetails obviously with one of your Super Bowl picks. Right. But I no, have, Law, Law went flat out. Pagano's going to win coach yeah. of the year. I went with Gianna because I think the Bucks are going to sneak into the playoffs. Wow. I think a ten win season and that's how Shiano's gonna get a coach of the year. I think that's eight and eight, maybe and maybe nine and seven if they're lucky. Eight and eight though. Pagano, no coach of the year. No absolutely no coach of an eight and eight team, Chris Law will win coach of the year. I just wins? don't see it. See that's why I went Six Lovey wins? Smith. And uh, yeah, Brockman went Lovey Smith. Yeah. He thinks uh, the Bears are gonna make the playoffs in a big bad way. Uh the M V P who's your M V P of the year, Lombardi? Well, I think it's gonna be Joe Flacco. I think Flacco's ability. Whoa! To throw you the think ball. the MVP wow. of the 2012 National Football League season is Joe Flacco? Yeah, I think Flacco's wow. ready to throw it, and I think the Baltimore Ravens are ready to let him throw it. You are all in on the Ravens. Yeah, well, I think when they let him throw the football, I think they're tough to play. So you, wow! Ravens win the AFC. Coach gets coach of the year. Their co- Joe Flacco is MVP. Sweet. You would be that boy. That would be that's a that's a bold pick. Oh, I like it. First so, ever MVP with a Fu Manchu. So that <laughs> <laughs> and your last two the last two picks that we have made because my uh, my MVP is Aaron Rodgers. Yours is Tom Brady. Brady and yours law is uh, Drew Brees. Drew Brees he's be a coaching a coaching quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and then we asked for who's the passing and rushing champions. Who do you got for that? Well, I, I would still say Aaron Rodgers will be the passing champion, and Arian Foster will be the rushing champion. Even with him already potentially uh, not even playing in a game. I, I think as Bill Clinton's been able to heal his body being a vegan, I'm sure that Arian Foster <laughs> can do the same. <laughs> By the way, how many? what was the uh, law? Can you look up for me Tony Romo's time of possession on Wednesday night for me, sure. please, real quick? As uh, Arian Foster was my rushing champion. Uh, which I was a little concerned about with him already being iffy for this week. My number one fantasy pick. And uh, and my passing champion is Breeze. You went Brady and... No, I went uh, Stafford pass Stafford champ, pass champ and run DMC, Darren McFadden. Darren McFadden. Champ. And Law, who's your, who are your, who's your... I went Tom Brady mm-hmm. as uh, the passing champ and, and LaShawn McCoy. Do you think McCoy's going to get enough carries to be a, a, a rush champ? I think when you watch him over the last eight games of the season last year, I think he had two 100-yard gains the last eight games, maybe three, I'm not sure. But I think his body tends to wear down, which makes it very difficult. I think he's a tremendous player. He would be less of McCoy, would probably get you more of McCoy, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. But, but sometimes they don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't let that happen. We have a, uh, a nine-minute discrepancy in time of possession. The Cowboys were uh, nine more minutes of possession. Oh, how much was there? How much? Uh, I believe it was uh, 30, 34 to uh, I lost it there, Rich. 34, yeah, 34 uh, time of possession, um, 34 for minutes for Tony Romo, yeah. which means um, Bill Clinton, I think, out-possessed Romo by 12 minutes. It was on never Wednesday a night, that, that was going to happen, right? It was never, a qu- yeah, there was never a doubt that was going to happen. It Clinton's was- time of possession on Wednesday night was legendary. Yeah, I mean, that was almost is. that was almost uh, O.J. Anderson, New York Giants Super Bowl time of possession. My Twitter right timeline was going crazy with Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton tweets. I wondered if he was still available to pick up on my fantasy waiver wire. <laughs> I, I, I think I draft him. I'll tell you one thing: if you set Bill Clinton down today, he would know every player on the Arkansas team. I promise you that. I'm sure of that. <laughs> I'm sure of that. I'm sure. I'm sure he would all know all about uh, Petrino's situation too. <laughs> I'm sure he knows where all the bodies are buried on that one. Uh, hey, Michael, we're looking forward to first on the field. Um, yes. You are part of that. Uh, a part of that broadcast. It's seven in the morning Eastern time. You are going to do a two-hour show with uh, host Melissa Stark and your compadres uh, Ladanian Tomlinson and uh, Sterling Sharp. You're going to be on the air, and then you you hand off to NFL Game Day morning at 9 a.m., so you're first up. You're first up. We'll we'll get it going. I'm really looking forward to working with Sterling, LaDainian, and, of course, Melissa. Sterling, I feel like I work with, even though the camera's not there because he's at films all the time, and we have great conversations. So I think it'll be a a lot of fun, and hopefully it'll be a great show. You go on two hours before Rich, but you're on the East Coast. So whose call time is technically earlier? 
Uh, Yours or Rich's? Well, they they have on my call time. I think they want me there at five a.m. I don't know if I'll be able to quite make the five a.m. No, that's 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 earlier than my call time. That's earlier. Well, well, in terms of Eastern time, but we killed. You know, we we send a thousand emails out for a call time. We've killed the whole forest in the Northwest sending emails out on what our call time is. Uh huh. (laughs) Don't tell me there's already dissension on first. Maybe maybe I can schedule a meeting. We just all come. We're we're happy campers. Yeah, Law can schedule meetings. Yes. Don't worry. He's the king of the Outlook uh, invitation. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, Alambo, thanks for uh, thanks, lending Rich. your time to this uh, venture throughout the entire season, and we look forward to talking with you uh, down the line. Okay, man? I hope so. Thanks, Rich. We'll Talk chat on soon. Sunday. That's Michael Lombardi joining the Rich Eisen podcast here. You ready for the Sunday, boys? You ready? Cannot wait. This is good. Absolutely. I ready. couldn't be more excited. I'm actually cutting two highlights here on Sunday, so I'm really excited. Which games? Browns, Eagles, which got a little bit more interesting, unfortunately, with the passing of our. Yeah, I wonder what the uh, because uh, they they said that they're going to have an appropriate every team in the acknowledgement. League, right? No, but the Browns themselves says they will have an appropriate acknowledgement. Hopefully, it's more appropriate than their one sentence. What's Josh? Char- I mean, what what's Josh? Char- what are they going to say? I mean, seriously, I what can you say? What can you say other than just uh, we wish condolences? I mean, seriously. I wouldn't want to have a microphone on Josh Charles. Uh, this is some serious. Well, Josh Charles, you know, he loves art. He right. he's he's a, and Josh Charles is out of his mind right now he because big, his Orioles right, are, are killing it, and he's a big Democrat. And Obama had a big night, so it's all about the have O's you, have you right heard now. From him? I saw his tweet. No, I haven't seen him yet, oh, but yeah, we're going to yeah. see him in a couple of weeks when we have a a Thursday night game, Browns and um and the Ravens. But I mean, what do you what do you want the Browns to oh, say? I, don't I mean, know. like, I mean, what a great man he was. I mean. There's some bad blood in that town. There's some, I mean, it's just a bottom line, but they will give a respectful moment. I just hope fans don't boo. Yeah, that's kind of what I wondered when I saw but, that. Because the bottom line is they have their colors. They have their records. He didn't take any of that. And, he, I mean, he ripped a team out. He did. I'd find it, I'd be shocked if they don't. And that's sad to say, but they probably will. Boo. Boo. Yeah, I mean, you. a lot of people lost a lot of money. A lot of people lost their jobs when that How many team years left were they without a team? In that city. It's, um, it's I don't know off the top of my head. I go 99, four. they came back. I think they left in 94. 94. Yeah. So five, so five years. years. Yeah. 99 was their first year. Yeah. Wow. There's, it's just, it's just you know, and, and, and the first line of his obituary everywhere was about moving the Browns and bringing football back to Baltimore. So, um, you know, pariah one place and a and a and a hero and hero another. another. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so what other game do you have? And then Sunday night. Sunday night. That's a big one. I have. Uh, that, I uh, do have a uh, poll updates too. What do you got? Yeah, oh, nice. and then we'll we'll hit the road. Tell you what. The polling platform does not does not care for Chris Law very much. Dude, you're getting crushed. I'm getting absolutely crushed. Let me pull up the latest results here. Give me just one second. <laughs> the no. polling format. The polling format. I don't think it's a f- – don't blame the craftsman. Okay. Blame the craftsman, not the tool. I was say, you're forming the question Lombardi, Lombardi took my Pagano, although no, he, he, he rescinded. Oh, no, he didn't. He Kurt did. Warner took two out of my three. I think that this is just the man so trying to keep me down. So it's Kurt Warner? Okay. Uh, bringing up the, the rear – in uh, the caboose in fourth place right now with 12.61% of the votes uh, at Topher Law. Okay. Uh, in and this s- is people voting on which one of our REP picks yes. is is the most, most uh, likely. successful, most likely to occur. Exactly. This is on uh, richeisen.nfl.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up uh, in third place right next to me, but with 25% of the votes is uh, at Chris underscore Brockman. I'll take that, 25%. Okay. And in third place, or, or in second place, uh-huh. um, our quarterback at Kurt13Warner, which means you oh, at Rich Eisen. Oh, the kid. The kid. Everyone everyone is going with your picks. How many, uh, how many were like, what, I have 40%? You're at uh, 319 30, 32 about. It's not, it's, it's not a mandate. It's close. <laughs> in this political season. <laughs> but it's a, it's, it's, uh, is that even a majority, or is no. that a, it's a plur- uh, it's a plurality, yeah, right? It's you not almost a- have one third of the votes. All right, we'll take so, it. Yes, enjoy, guys. Yeah, I can't yeah, wait. Next week, Jerry coming. Ferrara, Turtle, is going to be joining the uh, podcast, and we're still efforting the player. We don't know. Uh, that's the way we're going to. So basically, the bottom line is um, a, an audio podcast, most likely coming out Tuesday of every week during the during the playing season. Yep, we'll try and get if, one up Tuesday. If there's a possibility to call in from the road after a Thursday night game, and you guys are here and I'm somewhere, uh, we'll we'll do it. Yep. I just don't know how we're going to work that. Next television show comes Thanksgiving week, uh, and again the uh, the Rich Eyes and Kickoff special re airs. 
Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern and, and 10 a, and 10 p.m. Pacific, meaning 1 a.m. Sunday morning if you're on the East Coast. Thanks again to you guys. And uh, thanks, Absolutely. everybody, for watching. It was a great, great time putting that show together. Yep. Uh, and that's it for this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. Enjoy the Sunday games, everybody. Stay listening.